Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. You know, we were just talking off the air. It's a beautiful day here in the uh, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, and it's wonderful. I, I can't complain at all. Get in a good mood. Yeah, you know, we're we're into November now. We, I think all, all three of us here uh, today have 80, 85 degree weather. Pretty crazy, but uh, we're not going to question it. Just Just sit back and enjoy. Matt, we've got an awesome guest today. We've got Curtis Patrick. He's a, a writer for Rotoviz. He's he writes one of the series that's quickly becoming one of my favorites, one of my weekly reads. Uh, we've got Curtis Patrick here. Curtis, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. So, Curtis, I mentioned your series that you've been writing for Rotoviz. It's called the Dynasty Command Center, and I love this. Like I said, it's one of my weekly reads. Always make a point to check that out. So, so just kind of tell us about the article. I guess your inspiration for the article and what it's all about. Well, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to have something that was fairly freeform. I think a lot of times, uh, uh, some dynasty writers sort of, maybe even unintentionally, uh, typecast themselves. Yeah, I'm going to be the rankings guy, or I'm going to be the the metrics guy, or I'm going to be the trades guy. I wanted to have something where. Uh, I could analyze uh, any one of those categories, and you know, I've been—I've actually been a DLF fan for for quite some time, and I've read a lot of your stuff, and so I just have gotten some ideas for where there might have been a hole um, for me to uh, add some content in the industry without, you know, just being another voice saying the same thing. So, you know, Fantasy Douche over at Rotoviz has been great. Editors have been great, uh, helping me kind of hone it as I go. Again, it's it's a really enjoyable series. You basically are highlighting one player, kind of focusing on one player each week, a, a player that is in the news, I guess, or, or in the spotlight in Dynasty, the Dynasty community. It's been Terrell Pryor lately. Who are, who are some other guys you've covered lately? Yeah, so I, I've covered uh, Terrell Pryor. Travis Kelsey uh, was one recently. That was a lot of fun to write uh, because, as, as you probably know, he had the off-season uh, dating uh, TV show that's going on right now, so I had some fun with the title. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I've I've done a lot of I've done a lot of wide receivers. That's kind of just how it's it's worked out. Um, but I hope to get to some running backs. I actually think uh, one of the guys we'll talk about today, Spencer Ware, is going to be my topic this week. So, yeah, I think TP specifically that article. I really wanted to highlight just how crazy athletic he is. You know, if he had if he had come out of uh, the Ohio State University as a receiver, 
Um, I think people would have been really salivating over his skill set, really regardless of where he was drafted. You know, a lot of his um, athletic measurables are similar to, to Calvin Johnson, and we all know what kind of career he had uh, on that, not necessarily the best teams, too. So um, I think he's really an interesting person to be targeting, and we've seen his value rise over the last couple of weeks to the point where I've, I've seen some trades where he's going for first-round picks. Um, Travis Kelsey, I think, is another guy that was a, a, the recent article where he's young enough and gets enough volume. We haven't really seen the upside, but he's a guy that I like uh, to make a move for right now because I don't know that he would always cost you a first-round pick, but you can kind of just bank on you know eight or, eight or 900 yards, about 70 catches, half a dozen touchdowns, and you kind of just set and forget your tight end position. And in Dynasty, that could be uh, an attractive proposition at times. All right, so uh, give our listeners a, a little peek behind the curtain, as Matt often says. Over the past couple of days, uh, Matt, Curtis, and I have been taking part in a midseason dynasty startup mock draft. We have drafted four rounds uh, and, and just treating it like we were building teams from scratch at this point in the season. So uh, as you can probably guess, a, a big focus on the future, and we, we've alternated picks, one, two, three, one, two, three. We're going to run down each of those picks today. So we've got four rounds worth of picks, and guys, what we're going to do is I'll just go through the 12 picks that we've already made, and then we'll, we'll talk about some of those key players. So uh, in the first round, we gave Curtis the honors of going first. Curtis took Odell Beckham. Next, it went Mike Evans, Amari Cooper in third, the two veterans, both Mr. Reliable, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones at four and five, Allen Robinson, six, DeAndre Hopkins, seven, a pair of running backs went eight and nine, Ezekiel Elliott at eight, uh, David Johnson at nine, and then the, uh, the round ended with Rob Gronkowski, A.J. Green, and Sammy Watkins. So the, the first thing that jumps out there to me are the two young guys, Mike Evans and Amari Cooper, as two and three ahead of Brown and Julio. Matt, you made the Mike Evans pick at two, so just talk to us a little bit about that one. Yeah, and th those are the two I was torn between. You know, I think OBJ is clearly number one, and then I think it's Evans or Cooper. And I'm sure a lot of people out there are saying, why wouldn't you take Antonio Brown or Julio? Well, I mean, it, it, their their best days or their worst days are coming sooner. You know, I, I still think Cooper and Evans, particularly Cooper, is only getting better. I like both their long-term quarterback situations. I'm still very much a Winston believer. But I just look at Evans and I'm like, how many touchdowns is this guy going to catch in his career? Getting from Winston as a 6'5 guy that came into the league super young, uh, I think he's almost matchup proof in terms of just putting up numbers year after year. But Cooper's not much different. I mean, really, they are a coin flip to me. Uh, Curtis, any thoughts on, on the young guys moving up, Evans and Cooper at 2-3? and three? I think it's exciting. Um, I've seen uh, a few people on Twitter have some conversations about this lately, and in particular with Amari Cooper, you see what the Raiders are doing. Derek Carr continues to um, have an, an impressive uh, uh, improvement curve, I guess, um, taking a step forward each year. Crabtree seems like he's really, I mean, peaking at 29, 30 years old. Um, so I think it's something where Amari has a little bit of safety um, with that other receiver on the other side of the field, uh, making sure that he's not going to get 
you know, that bracket coverage or doubled up all the time. Uh, Mike Evans, I'm not as big of a fan of Mike Evans, maybe at two overall. Uh, I definitely think he belongs in the top five at this point. Um, I just have a little bit of concern about um, what Tampa is going to do to to make sure that he doesn't get the type of double coverage and extra attention over the top. I think they're going to have to address another offensive weapon in the offseason. Um, and he's he doesn't have a great catch rate. I mean, he sees so much volume that he produces in spite of that. Um, but that's a small concern for me. So I actually think, and you know, maybe this is just my perception. I think Evans and Cooper at two and three over Brown and Julio is the pretty easy pick if you're talking about a dynasty startup draft and building your team from scratch. Here's the problem I'm having, or I guess I'm facing. I've got several teams that I'm I'm contending. I'm in the playoff hunt, and that team is built around either Brown or Julio Jones. So would you guys, you know, mess with that at this point? If you could make a trade for one of the younger guys, even up at this point, flip Julio for Amari Cooper, Antonio Brown for Mike Evans, is that a move you guys would consider making with a contending team, or do you just ride it out? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not going to go straight up. You know, are you going to have to pay more to give a contender Julio or A.B.? Or are they going to throw something your way? You know, I mean, I think you can kind of make an argument both ways. We just took them, you know, we, we value Evans and Cooper ahead of those guys. Well, I mean, I think it, I, I don't really like even up deals like that or straight up right. deals one for one from the same position. You know, those are not the deals I would, I would typically make. I, I feel like I'm losing value or leaving value on the table in that type of deal. But you know, it's still it's still a difficult trade to make if you feel like you do have those reliable guys that are going to be producers. I think uh, for me, it depends on how the rest of that team is composed. Like, am I only competing because of AB or Julio? Like, is my team kind of mediocre, but because I can bank on their production every week and their volume every week, I'm kind of hanging on as a you know a maybe wild card type team. Uh, or am I the clear favorite? If I'm the clear favorite, I'm raking, I'm in first place, You know, maybe a 100-plus point lead at this point halfway in the season, I might feel more comfortable making a trade like that. Um, if I'm in the first scenario where um, I'm kind of just right on the edge, um, I would definitely move uh, the player at that point because you know the team could easily go into a full, full-blown rebuild, rebuild uh, if one of those players were to get hurt. So... Antonio Brown's actually a guy that I've I've already moved uh, in one league and and actually in trade talks in another. I think these guys are at peak value, and if I can drop down into one of those players toward the end of the first round and get you know a second round pick or even a first round pick or a supporting player that I that I believe in, you know I'm I'm definitely willing to be aggressive. Curtis, I'm just curious, what roughly did you get in return for Brown? Uh, the uh, the deal that I'm working on right now actually is uh, is potentially Brown for Gronk and a second round pick and uh, I think you guys will see that I'm a Gronk believer uh, later on in this round. Yeah. Um, he's he's young he's younger than Antonio Brown uh, actually by a year and uh, uh, his efficiency makes up for the lack of actual catches that um, that he's making and then um, actually earlier in the year. Uh, in another league, there was a trade of uh, Jarvis Landry, uh, Willie Sneed, and I'm trying to th- remember who the third uh, the third piece of that deal. I think it must have been a draft pick or something. But Jarvis Landry, Landry, Willie Sneed, and, and another smaller third piece for Antonio Brown. 
Wow, that seems a little light to me. I mean, AB's not falling off a cliff anytime soon. I mean, those guys are good players. Don't get me wrong, but I like your Gronk deal a heck of a lot better than that one. Yeah, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, I guess, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> these these Rotoviz guys love uh, they love Landry. We learned that earlier this uh, in the offseason, Matt. So we've got Evans and Cooper who are, you know, even though they were already first round picks, they're they're gaining value thanks to their production this year. Uh, a couple of other younger guys are, are on the other end of that. Allen Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins, both have been very disappointing. Both are losing value, I think, but but not much. They're still, you know, they're still considered first rounders. They went six and seven in this draft. Are those guys that you're considering buying at, at this reduced price, or do you see some real cause for concern? I'm a buyer on DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm staying away from A-Rob. I don't have any shares of Allen Robinson uh, on any of my Dynasty teams. Um, that wasn't really by design, but at this point I'm not really looking to buy him. I'm really concerned um, about Jacksonville in general. They're underperforming. I could see another coaching change happening potentially. Um, what's going to happen with Bortles? Um, no one's really stepping forward from the rest of that receiving crew. You know, I think people feel like Hearns or Marquise Lee are, you know, okay, and you know they can be good depth guys on a dynasty roster, but are they really going to help uh, Allen Robinson um, have space on the field? And then if, if I'm kind of a I'm a look guy, uh, uh, a video guy, and if you watch, if you watch. <laughs> the Jaguars this year. I mean, Robinson's made his fair share of errors. I think it's a totally different situation than what we're seeing with Hopkins. I mean, Robinson, uh, two weeks ago, I saw him uh, run a post. It was like 30 yards downfield, hits him right in both hands, and you see him at the last minute. He turns toward uh, the safety coming towards him, and, I mean, he just he lets go. And I don't want that out of my um, elite wide receiver. I think that's a play last year that he makes – um, so I'm not really sure what's going on, but I'm a little scared of that situation personally. I, I have a couple things to say on this. First of all, I mean, everyone that's drafted Hopkins and A-Rob are hating them right now in their, in their uh, you know, the redraft yeah. leagues and whatnot, and understandably so. And I think they have two of the worst quarterback situations in the league right now, and I don't know that it gets better. Maybe the Jags bring in a QB whisperer of some sort and they get Bortles back on track. But Houston's living with Osweiler. I mean, maybe O'Brien starts to get more and more out of him. He, he got a lot out of the Hoyers and no-name guys that have been there before. But both those quarterback situations really worry me. And I've been much more of a Robinson than Hopkins fan before this year. I own Robinson in a ton of leagues. I own Hopkins mm. nowhere. And one of my reasons is just going back to scouting. I just think Robinson's far more talented. You know, that he, he's a better athlete specimen. But, I, I mean, I, I don't know that either is a buy right now, but it, it, several people have offered me some garbage deals to try to get Robinson <laughs> off me, and I'm certainly not in the mood to trade him for something like that. But, Ryan, what I wanted to bring up to you was I haven't done any kind of, you know, exercise like we did on this via email over the last couple of days, but – it seems really weak at the top, doesn't it to you? You know, that uh, if this was a real mock draft, a real startup, I would be trading down left and right for a lot of these, these positions where I had to draft somebody. Yeah, I can I can see that for sure. You know, I felt like, so in this exercise, I had the sixth pick 
and again we had Beckham, Evans, Cooper, Brown, and Julio. And once it got to that sixth pick, I ended up taking Robinson. But I mean, there were really no players that I was excited about. We right. We've talked about you know our general strategy is to avoid running backs. So I think for a lot of people, Elliott, Johnson, Gurley, Bell, even those guys would would be considerations in the mid first. I wasn't ready to to make that pick and. I don't know, just no player felt like a good value in that mid-first. So, yeah, I agree with you that, that trading down would be ideal. Uh, I will say we're, we're also starting the November mock drafts over at uh, DLF. Uh, we do several of those each month to, to gain some ADP information. And in one of those, I had the 12th pick, and I got these same two players we're talking about. I got Robinson and Hopkins at the corner. So, wow. Uh, Wow! Yeah, I don't, like I don't even remember which one fell to the second since since I made both picks. But you know, just the idea that one of those players would fall to the second round it would have been unheard of just a you know a couple months ago or even a few weeks ago. So Ryan, were there a lot more running backs drafted in the first round or the first top ten of that draft? Then I mean, were Bell and Johnson and Zeke and Gurley were those the guys falling? Gronk. Yeah, I mean, you know, all of those drafts, every draft is different, obviously. Sure. But, yeah, Gronk was up there. I think there were at least three running backs ahead of ahead of those two. Uh, and, and that's actually our next topic that we want to talk about. The running backs seem to be gaining value. And in our first-round exercise, it was Elliott and Johnson both in the first round. Uh, we'll get to the second round uh, soon, but there were, you know, there were some others uh, early in the second round. Is this, you know, is this a case of the tide turning? Uh, you know, we we've all talked about this incoming class of running backs. So if you take these guys that are suddenly looking like solid values, even at the top of the draft, Elliott and Johnson and Bell and and Gurley and even some of those supporting guys, Miller, Freeman, those type of guys, and, and then you add Fournette and Chubb and Cook and McCaffrey, you know, suddenly we've Running back is looking uh, looking strong again, as it did five or ten years ago. So is this is this the beginning of something turning, or is is this just more of a fluke? See, I think it's more of a fluke. I think it's more of wide receivers dropping as opposed to running backs gaining. You know that you know we're taking Allen Robinson at six, and he's not doing anything, <laughs> or Hopkins, and you know their situations aren't favorable going forward. You know, Sammy Watkins is a first round pick. And his situation's a mess, and he's got injury issues. And, you know, even – you can't tell me Gurley's uh, stock has gone up. You know, I mean, he hasn't done anything all year either, and he's in a terrible situation. Uh, I think that it, it kind of is just a re- reflection that there's some really poor quarterback and especially offensive line situations around the league right now that you – know, you look at the NFC West, their offensive lines are dreadful. This is going to be a really uh, interesting offseason um, story because, on on one hand, you could say, all right, if if these receivers, you know, we're halfway through the season, if they don't turn it around in the second half, and you know, guys like Jeffrey who are free agents don't land in favorable um, situations to keep them up there, I think you could see a little bit of creep just because people, I, I think there's some recency bias even in in dynasty, especially in terms of startup value, um, people might be more tempted to take. You know, Le'Veon Bell back in the you know the upper half of the first round again, um, if he continues this pace the rest of the year, rather than a guy like Sammy if he doesn't play anymore the rest of the season, or a guy like Keenan Allen coming off of his injury. So, 
I think with the guys that are already in the league, maybe that top three or four creep up a little bit, but I don't think we'll necessarily see that. I don't know if we'll see that um, lower down because I think people are going to know that you know my first round pick is going to net me or my second round pick is going to net me a guy that I think can be usable. So I, I think the influx of talent coming from, from college or the perceived influx of uh, talent come from, coming from college is, is a way to prevent the running backs from going any higher. All right, let's take a look. Uh, a couple of our players taken at the uh, end of the first round, Rob Gronkowski, A.J. Green. It, it seems like as we get closer to the offseason, those veterans begin to lose value. It happens every year. And then towards the end of the offseason, uh, when we have to start submitting real lineups, they regain that value. So <laughs> I feel like there's a, a pretty good chance we could see Gronk or Green, who are viewed as late first-rounders right now, those guys could fall to the second round. If that's the case, if I'm correct in that, the guys look in, you know, look in the second round or, or the third round or even beyond, or, or maybe even think about this incoming rookie class, who are some players that sneak into the late first to take those spots if they do indeed fall? See, I don't know that they fall. You know, like I took Green mm -hmm. at 11 and thought, man, that's a steal. I mean, what's the difference between Green and Julio? Green gets uh, more week-to-week -week consistency at this point. So. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a beautiful point, Matt. Yeah, I mean, what, they came in the league the same year. I mean, maybe Ryan's a slightly better quarterback, but it's not like A.J. Green's a bum. <laughs> you know, I mean, what's the difference between Green and Julio? I mean, if you got Julio at 11, you'd be doing cartwheels. Yeah, I think the difference is uh, the Bengals funnel their offense through their stud wide receiver, and the Falcons no longer do. So I'm totally on board with you, Matt. Yeah, this, this gap was created between these two. Uh, last year or the year before, you know, Green had some injuries. I remember he had he played one game and failed to even make a catch. And and this gap in value was created that has just carried forward for whatever reason. So yeah, they're you know they're essentially the same age. Green I think is a, a little bit older, but the difference in in value from that lock top five player like we said Julio was to late first round. You know, you make a good point, Matt. Yeah, I mean, and the more I think about it, I'd rather have A.J. Green than Hopkins or A-Rob. I mean, unless I'm total rebuild. I mean, he's not falling off the map anytime soon. Right. Uh, Curtis, what about you? If those guys do somehow fall out of the first, do you see any any younger players who could gain value pretty quickly as the offseason goes on? Sure, I see a handful in the second round. I think... Um, if Jeffrey Bolts from Chicago, depending on where he ends up, he's going to be a hot name um, heading into next year. And w whether or not it's warranted for him to be uh, a first-rounder in a startup next year, it's, that really doesn't matter. I think sometimes people just like the hot name and um, want to try to catch uh, lightning in a bottle. So I could see him moving up. Um, I could see, you know, if T.Y. Hilton is okay and continues to put up these numbers, I could see him being more of a pick that goes at the turn instead of uh, mid to late second round. And a guy that I really love um, and could see, I guess depending on what he does the rest of this season, is uh, is Corey Coleman. Um, you know, he's, I, we'll get to this, uh, I took him in the second round in, in our exercise here, but um, we saw what he's capable of in week two. And if he puts up a couple more performances like that uh, in 2016, there will be people that are going to want to invest in the first round, in my opinion. All right, let's run through that second round now, and, and we'll hit on some of these players. So the 
First pick of the second round was mine. We went in, of course, reverse order. I took Todd Gurley, then went Brandon Cooks, Le'Veon Bell, Jarvis Landry uh, with the fourth pick in the second round, Alshon Jeffrey, Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, Des Bryant at 20th overall, and then, uh, Curtis, you mentioned Corey Coleman went next, and it ended with Dante Moncrief, Devontae Freeman, and Stefan Diggs. Uh, the first thing I want to hit on here is uh, go, going back to those running backs. So we said, uh, of course, we had uh, Elliott and Johnson in the first round. No surprise with Gurley and Bell in the second round. That's what we would expect to see. Uh, and then also Devontae Freeman in the second round as well. Matt, I think you took Freeman. What do you I didn't see? love it. I mentioned earlier that, you know, midway through the first round, I was kind of straining and thinking, I don't know who, who I really want. But in the second round, I kind of thought that hardly any of these guys are worth that pick. You know, like Alshon Jeffrey could go to Philadelphia and be Carson Wentz's guy for the next eight years. But, you know, and I think Freeman's a really good player and a really good offense, but I don't want to take running backs that high. Um, you know, you took Moncrief, and I was like, okay, but, I mean, he's so unproven. You know, Diggs goes to 24, and... Uh, that offense is abysmal. It might be the worst offense in the league. That I thought there was a real talent drop off in the second half of the first, of the second round. I totally agree. I think uh, at twenty, where you see Des go, then it's just at that point, it's kind of you know pick your party favor after that. I mean, I took Corey Coleman, um, but I mean, I certainly don't feel you know like that's a lock or anything. But Des at twenty, that's the last of the not over the hill stud veterans. Um, and then, I mean, I, I guess out of, out of that cohort, the 21 through 24 picks, I mean, I feel like Freeman's probably the safest pick. So I'll give you kudos on that. But even there, I mean, we know running backs can, can get hurt and, and Coleman has really flashed when uh, they've given him chances. So I, I agree. It's, it's not a great, it's not a great place to be. And we already talked about, you know, feeling like, uh, um, the the top of the draft was weak. So, I mean, if you're like, I guess if you're not in love with Antonio Brown or Julio at 4-5 in the first round of a startup, then you're really, you're really not in a great shape uh, coming back in round two either. No. And that's one of the benefits from, you know, I mentioned the, the DLF mock drafts already. That's one of the benefits of doing so many of these is you just find yourself organically finding these these gaps in in value where you're you know you're picking in the late second and you just don't like anybody there. So then when it you know when it comes time to do an actual draft, you're ready to make that move. Maybe even pre-draft before before things even kick off. So you know I would I would encourage our listeners and, and everybody just to do as many mock drafts as you can. You know whether it's the DLF mocks or or some of the others that are offered and put together out there. Um, it, I really have found it to be to be very beneficial. Is there a break in the running back tier after Freeman? Do you guys think? Hmm. I've really it, been trying to figure these backs out uh, uh, as this year. Gordon's the next that goes, and then Lamar Miller. And I can't say I'm doing backflips for either one of those guys. Yeah. You know, like Gordon to me is a better fantasy player this year than he is football player, which worries me. I think the tear break is before Freeman, honestly. I don't I could see that too. I don't trust him. Somebody um somebody last night was asking me who are my top five dynasty running backs. 
and you know the answer was the top four in in whatever order you want, you know, different order every day. And then I said my running back five is in college right now. So, um, and, and that's probably <laughs> right. And six and seven and right. Yeah, that's that's probably the case. Uh, I think we're going to see so many of these guys lose value uh, because of of draft picks, uh, not necessarily lose production. You know, a, a rookie is is far from a sure thing, but but certainly lose value, and and that makes me uneasy about taking them. You know, in the second or third round. Let's go back to the end of the first round. We had. Sammy Watkins there. That was my pick, the last pick in the first. And then in the middle of the second, we also have uh, Keenan Allen taken. Obviously, both of those guys have, have dealt with injuries this year. We haven't seen much of them at all. But they're still in the first, second round range. Curtis, do you think that's warranted? Or are you starting to see a trend with those guys that just makes you want to stay away? Well, I've, I've featured each of those players. Uh, and command center already this season, and they're both buys for me. I would trade a 2017 first for either one of them right now. Um, with with Allen, um, I, I think that I mean I don't see Rivers retiring in the next year or two, and we only got to see him for one half this year. But in the half he played, he had six six catches for 60 yards, and it looked like he was picking up right where he left off last year. Um, and you know he's had. He hasn't really had a trend of uh, similar injuries in his career, and I, I'm kind of chalking this up to to bad luck. I think last week you had Josh Hermsmeyer on, and you referenced uh, that injury study on running backs versus receivers um, that uh, was published at Rotoviz, and um, just the likelihood of Allen continuing to have these types of unrelated injuries. You know, I think I'm willing to bet against that, uh, considering how young he is and um, the type of volume that he could see. So he's a he's a player I own uh, on a bunch of teams and and still trying to buy him other places. I think with Watkins, um, the full season we have from him was historically great um, at the age at which he turned it in. So um, I don't love the injury that he had, uh, but we have access to uh, the good doctor uh, Jeff Budoff uh, at Rotoviz, and he really feels that um, with the proper rest, Watkins would be 100% fine, um, just as. Uh, Julio uh, proved to be after his uh, midfoot fracture. So um, I, I guess I'm putting a little bit of faith in that uh, prognosis um, from Dr. Budoff. Uh, I know, obviously, you know, Sammy's not his patient or anything, but he's just speaking about his knowledge on that type of injury. But um, I, I mean, if Sammy was coming out of school this year, I mean, where would you guys have him? I mean, would, would he rank in front of, uh, I don't want to get into a bunch of, you know, Debbie stuff, people that aren't following uh, the college players yet, but is he, would he be above like a, um, a Schuster Smith for you, or would he be above a Mike Williams for you? I mean, he would for me. Yeah, I, I mean. I don't know those guys well enough, but what about you, would, Yeah, he would be above those guys for me. He would be the the top receiver for sure. I, I've kind of flip-flopped, as, as I said with the running backs, I've kind of flip-flopped with um, – Juju, Mike Williams, Corey Davis, um, really like all three of those, uh, all three of their games, and um, I, I'm, I don't know, I'm just not sure how I'm going to value those guys yet uh, compared to each other. So, but I, I would, I like Sammy more than more than all three. I mean, Sammy coming out of school, I would put way ahead of anyone that's in their rookie year now. I mean, when they came out, Treadwell, Coleman, any of those guys, and I probably would have had him over White for sure, and even Cooper. I mean, just guys who have entered the league recently. And I love Cooper, but I loved Watkins coming out of school. Okay, so right. So if, if if you felt that way, and that's only been a few years, 
Um, I know that we're stuck with with Rex Ryan in Buffalo at least for the rest of this year. But as, if if I could tell you that Sammy was going to return to 100% health next year, you still got to be loving that, right? I mean, he's. I'd give up two firsts for him. Th- there you go. There yeah. you go. And so that's I think why. He's special. Yeah, I've I've sent offers in in every dynasty league that I'm in. I've offered my where I still own a 2017 first. I've I've offered it uh, for for Watkins and Allen. So, um, you know, listeners out there, you know, you got my endorsement if you want to make that move. And I like Allen too. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's close to the physical player that Watkins is. But he's in a great situation. I mean, I'm a huge Rivers believer. Yeah, I think that's equally important. Yeah, yeah, he's 24 right now, and it's equally important. I mean, I, I think when, I think the athleticism is so much more important when we're trying to project what someone's going to do in the pros. And I, I think there's been articles that have, that have come out that have maybe debunked the level of importance. But you know, a lot of dynasty rookie drafts happen before you know players uh, are selected in the NFL draft. You know, in one of my leagues, we we do our rookie draft uh, like in March every year. So. I mean, you have to use something. I mean, you can use college production, but what was the level of competition they faced? So, I mean, I think the measurables come into play there. But for, you know, in terms of NFL um, guys that I want to, you know, plant a flag in, I mean, Allen is is there because when he gets the volume, he produces. I mean, his, his pace last year was stupid. It was like 144 balls I think he was going to catch. And um, I'm still buying there until I see him not produce when he does come back. Let's talk a little bit about Des Bryant. Um, he falls to the 20th overall pick in in this mock draft, uh, almost a round behind uh, A.J. Green, a, f- a full round plus behind Julio, some guys he's often uh, associated with and grouped with. We talked about kind of the, the gap between those two players. Is the gap between them and, and Bryant uh, deserved? Is he... Is he going to fall off before they do, or or is that just a recency issue with with this injury? I mean, I think those two are clearly ahead of him, and and at their best, at their healthiest, at their prime, I think both those guys are better football players than Des Bryant. And Des is great, but I think those guys are Hall of Famers. You know, like they're all time greats, where he's just great. And I also thought I I made that pick at twentieth overall with Des, and I was like, man, this is pretty good value. I mean, this guy's all right in a good offense. He's going to see a lot of single coverage. I bet he has a huge second half of the season. Yeah, I guess I'm just asking is the is the fall off um you know, he's a guy that that's gone in that late first, early second mm-hmm. over the past off season. Is that fall off to the later part of the second round uh, is that deserved or is that an overreaction even on our part? I think it's a slight overreaction that his stock has unjustly fallen just because of recency bias. And if we would do this in two or three weeks from now, he'd probably would have gone earlier. Okay, so Hilton went directly before him. Uh, Allen before that. Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, uh, Matt, I think you made the Jeffrey pick. Would you would you have taken Dez over Allen and Hilton? I don't think. But I would take him over Landry at 16. I mean, I know there's some Landry love here going around, but I think that, I think he's properly in that group. But Coleman and Moncrief are directly after Dez, and I wouldn't have considered those two with my Bryant pick, so to speak, or or Diggs at 24. I thought that was pretty easy to take Bryant over those three. All right, well, my let's... least favorite thing about Dez at this point is if 
if you're going to invest any more, you know, than the 20th pick in a startup in him, you're making a huge bet that he's going to return to that type of insane touchdown production that he's had through his career. Uh, there's no reason to think that Dallas is going to start throwing the ball more, either running that offense through Zeke. They have an incredible offensive line. Dak um, presents a matchup problem and is running uh, in the red zone. And, you know, Dez is a red zone beast. He's a monster down there. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if Dez can put up another 16 or 17 touchdown season with the offense designed the way it is. So as much oh, as I love great. him as a player, yeah, as much as I love him as a player, I just don't know that the circumstances are going to allow for him to produce what we would want him to produce versus the guys that are going in front of him. Yeah, you know, when you think about a, a player like that, a situation like that, it's easy to say, yeah, Des, Des deserves to be a an early second-round pick. But then, you know, when you're feeder to the fire and you've got to make that pick, and that's, you know, that's a cornerstone piece, things change, and, and that's how he falls to the late second round. And the other well, thing about him, too, is if you have him on your team now or if you, you know, if he did this draft and then, you know, all of a sudden you have to field a team, he's a hard guy to move right now, too. I mean, like, I'm not sure you can get a future first for him from everybody. I mean, there's people that aren't going to be involved at all and, you know, one in on him at all. Yeah, I think by the time you could get that in return, he would have shown you the type of production that would have reinstilled your own confidence in him. So I think he's just he's a guy that you're holding if you have him and. I don't see a lot of reason to go out and be aggressive and buy him. I think another thing, if you look at every receiver that went, uh, every receiver in the second round that went in front of him, is it, I think at least one year, if not two years younger. Uh, Hilton's only a year younger, but Allen's several years younger. Jeffrey's several years younger. Landry's much younger. Cooks is much younger. So I think if if you view all those guys kind of equally, um, I don't know, it's just kind of a youth movement thing. But I don't see him fading away. I don't see him falling off a cliff. You know, I mean, I could see him having a Brandon Marshall-like style of play three years from now. Yeah, I think so too. But I think, you know, at the very least, the sell high period is is long gone. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The last guy I really want to talk about in, in this round was Corey Coleman. He's he was the first rookie wide receiver off the board, and, and that you know that title has shifted so much. It was it was Treadwell as as the lock to be the top wide receiver and and he was the top wide receiver drafted in many of our drafts. There was a, a big push for Josh Dotson early in the offseason. Uh, and, and then, you know, since the season's actually started, Coleman started out well. It was him. He got hurt. Shepard had a couple good games. Mike Thomas has had a couple good games. Will Fuller's had a couple good games. So that that title as being the top rookie wide receiver has has changed around quite a bit. And and in this draft, it was Coleman. Uh, Curtis, I think that was your pick. So tell us, you've already mentioned him a little bit, but tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on him and how you're valuing him. Well, if you look at the other guys that, that went after him, we already kind of, um, we already discussed the, the questions. I think the receivers that went directly after him would have been Moncrief and Stephon Diggs. So if I'm looking at those three players, Coleman has the clearest path to the most volume. Um, and, you know, just in terms of uh, his his comps coming out of school, his number one athletic comp was Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if you guys are player profile uh, player profiler guys. Um, I love that website. I uh, frequent it in the offseason when I'm trying to evaluate these guys coming out. And uh, 
So, you know, Browns have a, a target void. You know, Pryor has stepped in and uh, has taken some of that. But I think, you know, I'm interested to actually get your opinion on this, Matt, uh, with your scouting background. But I, I think they're highly complementary players. I know they've used Pryor down the field, but I think when Coleman comes back, there's an opportunity to use Pryor more uh, as the possession type receiver and red zone threat. And you've got Coleman going over the top. That That's my gut feeling on how Hugh Jackson will use those players. Yes, I think you might be slightly underestimating what Pryor's capable of, though. I mean, I think he can be a total superstar, honestly. I mean, it, it, I think he's the sky's the limit for him, that he could be a true NFL number one fantasy aside, and Coleman becomes not his Alvin Harper, but he becomes his you know, the clear number two in that offense. And what Pryor is doing, I think, is remarkable. Um, I, I, I hear you, though. I mean, I think it's well said, but I also think it depends on who ends up being the quarterback. You know, like when RG3 was there, they threw deep a ton. When Kessler's there, they're not going to throw deep as much. I mean, I think Hugh Jackson's going to be really good with, you know, who his quarterback is and structuring things around him. And I think he's proven that with Dalton. I think he's proven that with the – 20 quarterbacks he's had in Cleveland so far this year. So that's a hard thing to answer, but I don't th- like when but though when uh, when Ryan took Pryor, I went, "Oh, I should have taken him a while ago." Yeah. You know, he, he was as high on my list yeah. as I noticed and he's a stud. I I traded a first uh, for Pryor several weeks ago. Um so I mean, I you won't find a bigger Pryor yeah. fan than me and and I am a I am a Browns fan, although it's I say that with a lot of trepidation because you know I'm I'm a fantasy player first. It's hard to root for a team that's 0 and 8, and uh, but they battle every week, right? <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah, they're better than 0 and 8. That's that's what they tell <laughs> that's what they tell me anyway. Uh, but anyways, um, I think even with Pryor there, I mean I think Hugh Jackson's the type of guy that could create an offense that could support two top 24 wide receivers uh, with them each filling in um, different roles. Um, and you know, Coleman's, I think almost six years younger than Pryor. So if you think they can put up similar, I mean, Pryor's 27, you know, he's new to the scene in this type of role, but you know, he toiled around the league as a, a failed quarterback other than that 90 yard, uh, run he had in Oakland. Um, (laughs) I think it was his rookie year or something. It's like the only highlight he ever had at that position. So with, with that much of an age difference, um, you know, I think I think Coleman projects at least over the course of his career to out, outproduce Pryor, um, and I love uh, Hugh Jackson as a offensive uh, designer. So that's I guess when I'm looking at the pick in that spot versus a Moncrief who hasn't um, had a great track record with injury and has been you know an inconsistent but uh, at times impressive producer, and then Stephon Diggs who's in a low volume. Um, passing offense with a slower pace than what the Browns are doing. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take Coleman there. Hey, Ryan, I want to take a chance real quick to tell everybody about our buddies over at Loot Crate who are sponsoring us. They've been a great sponsor for us from the beginning. Uh, their theme this month is magical. If you're on a quest for epic gear, housewares, or collectibles, Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than 20 bucks a month. If you're more of a, a fanatical fashionista, then Lootwear is our monthly wearables and accessory subscriptions. We'll fill your closet with cult classics and your favorite franchises. And if you want to get fancy, get a bigger box with even bigger loot from Loot Crate DX. Ready for wands? Pre-measure your position 
and get ready for November's enchanting theme, which is a magical, as I said. They've got a cast of powerful ancient spell to deliver you this 100% exclusive crate featuring bewitching items from Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them, and Big Trouble in Little China, and more. So you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive that month's crate, the magical theme, and it'll cut off. It happens right after that. So you only have until 9 p.m. on the 19th. Go to www.lootcrate.com slash Dynasty Blueprint, enter the code Dynasty Blueprint, and you'll save an already two bucks off your, your subscription. So it's a heck of a deal. It's already less than 20 bucks a month. You get two bucks off by using our promo code. So thanks to them. All right, we're ready for our third round. We're going to uh, pick things up a little bit and run through this. Curtis got us started uh, with the first pick of the third round, went Melvin Gordon, then a pair of rookie wide receivers, Sterling Shepard, Michael Thomas, and then Kelvin Benjamin, Lamar Miller. Middle of the round was Randall Cobb, Jordan Matthews, uh, then Jay Ajayi, Will Fuller, Spencer Ware, Demarius Thomas, and uh, previously mentioned Terrell Pryor to end the round. That was my pick. I'm proud of that one. Again, the running backs still stand out to me. In, in our most recent ADP data from DLF, we had nine running backs go in the first four rounds. For us, it's nine running backs in the first three rounds. So those running backs are gaining value. Among them are Spencer Ware and Jay Ajayi, both moving up, uh, moving way up to the third round. Matt, I think the Ajayi pick was yours. Yeah, it was. Middle of the round, Jay Ajayi's coming off two 200-yard games, and, and that's really, you know, that's really all we've seen of him. He, his his carries have been limited last year, this year. In fact, I, I found the stat that uh, he has more carries in these past two games than he had the rest of the season combined or all of last year combined. He played nine games last year. So they finally give him 20-plus carries in the past two games. Of course, they were off last week on by. He runs for 200 yards each game. And does that make him worth a third-round pick? I mean, I think it's questionable. And when Spencer Ware went two picks later, I kind of thought, hmm, those are pretty equal to me. Um, but I was a big believer in Ajayi's talent coming out of Boise State. I think he's a second-round pick in the NFL all day long if it's not for his knee condition, which is something I think you have to consider as a dynasty owner, is he might not be long for this league. I know that's why he fell. Um, but I really like their offensive line. You know, now that it's healthy, that's why he's running for these this much yards. Obviously, it's something to do with it, too, but it's not an accident, and the line's not going anywhere. I am a believer in Gase and ability to create offense. And I think he's clearly the number one. I mean, I'm not sure. I guess what I'm not sure of is, is Miami going to be in the market for a running back this this offseason? Clearly they were this past offseason, you know, entertained, you know, C.J. Anderson. Um, or has Ajayi sold them enough to say, okay, we're good with you and Drake and Damian Williams? I, I think they'll certainly be in the market for someone, you know, unless we see something crazy from Drake this last half of the season, which I don't really expect. Uh, I, I think they definitely add uh, another piece there, and obviously the... Like a third, fourth round pick type right, guy? Right, the capital spent, whether it's it's a draft pick or a free agent move, you know, will really tell us, uh, tell us their intentions, just as it did last year. You know, they made the push for uh, for Anderson. That didn't work out. They, they brought in 
every free agent running back they could get, uh, including Arian Foster, a couple times before they actually signed him. So I think they, they certainly bring in someone, and we'll see if basically how good that player is. Yeah. You know, how much of a priority do they make that? But, there, I mean, if you watch that team, there are so many needs, so many needs that I would be surprised if they spent a day one or, or even a day two pick on the running back position. Uh, Curtis, any any thoughts on Ajayi? He looks good. Um, I've tried to watch uh, uh, some of each of those two games uh, with the 200-plus uh, rushing yards. And, I mean, in particular, the play that stands out, I think it was the London game where he took it like 70 yards um, down the right sideline. I, I guess I didn't realize he had that kind of long speed. So, to me, Ajayi feels like the type of guy that's going to get uh, ridden really hard to try to um, show the owner and the fans that the Dolphins can win. I think they're going to take the ball out of Tannehill's hands to a degree. I think it's negatively going to impact uh, what we'll see from Devontae Parker, and we saw that in his um, draft uh, stock in our exercise here. But I don't know if I buy – I don't know if I would invest this high of a pick in Ajayi. I think he can certainly return that type of value, but I kind of see him as a – maybe one or two year type of guy. It's hard to have faith in, in that knee. But I, I see why I see really do see why Matt liked him because if he could stay healthy, he does look like the type of guy that's a difference maker and he's not just getting the yards that are blocked. But second guessing it I would have taken prior. <laughs> yeah, like I mentioned, like I, I would I would trade Ajayi for prior right now in a heartbeat. So we, we saw three rookie wide receivers go in that in that uh third round. We had Shepard and Thomas both uh, early in the round, Fuller towards the back end. And, and Curtis, I want to go to you. You didn't take any of those guys. Uh, I think Matt took Shepard. I took the other two. Mm -hmm. uh, were you avoiding those guys? Are, there, are, are they fool's gold in your opinion? Uh, no, I love Michael Thomas. You guys just didn't let you didn't let me take him. Uh, Shepard and Thomas went before my pick at 28 uh, where I took Kelvin Benjamin. So um, I love Michael Thomas. Uh, my last uh, last article um, at Dynasty Command Center featured him. Um, I watched probably every play uh, that he was on the field for, the Buckeye, and he's somebody that I, I knew would produce in the NFL. I didn't know it would be this sudden, but, you know, again, I think you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, s scheme and um, volume being pushed someone's way. So to land in New Orleans where – you have a quarterback that can support three pass catchers, three-plus pass catchers, I think was extremely um, extremely lucky for him. And I I mean, I think he's already the number two there. You know, we, I mentioned Willie Sneed earlier that wasn't part of a trade, but I think Thomas is already the number two, and I think he and Cooks really figure to be kind of the 1A, 1B there uh, moving forward. So I, I absolutely would have drafted Thomas if he had been there at 28. He's next uh, next on my board and for, for me I prefer him to Shepard um, I do like Shepard kind of being you know the supporting role receiver to to Beckham in New York but he hasn't shown us the immediate production that um, that you know Coleman has only played two games but he he you know really exploded uh, in a second start and Thomas has I think he's like a top 15 PPR receiver right now um, this year so you can feel extremely confident in Michael Thomas. I mean, he's a guy that if you can still trade a, you know, a 17 first for him, if anyone will do that, yeah, I'd absolutely 
I do that do that in a heartbeat. Um, who was the other one? Fuller. I'm not. It's not that I Fuller don't like Will Fuller. Me. Yeah, I, I own him a couple places. Um, it's been nice to get some of the production this year from him, but if if you're not buying the Texans offense, when we talk about Hopkins, I don't know how you can buy it when we're talking about Fuller because his his hands are highly suspect. I mean, he's he's probably an overall better athlete than Hopkins. Um, so I mean, I guess he has that going for him. But to me, I kind of already think he may be at his ceiling. And, and unless they they change the the system and and the quarterback, um, but I I just don't like him to actually emerge and supplant Hopkins. So um, he's not really a guy I'm looking to buy. I've, I've actually tried to sell him a, a few places for uh, a, a next year's first, and, and no one's biting on that. So I I think a lot of people feel the same way that I don't know if fool's gold is fair, but I don't I don't think people feel like he's a player that can continue to ascend. Okay, let's let's go back to Terrell Pryor. He goes with the last pick of this round, 36th player taken overall. Uh, you you guys both mentioned you you know you maybe overlooked him or you wish you had taken him earlier. Uh, how high can he go if we're if we're projecting um, off season dynasty startup drafts, not not just mock drafts or or ADP uh, gathering exercises? You know, can can Pryor get into the second round if he continues this? I think uh, that's probably a ceiling considering his age. You know, like we mentioned, and you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think he could go fifteen picks higher than this, possibly. You know, and looking back, I would take him over Cobb, Matthews, Fuller, Demarius, and Benjamin, all the receivers that went in this round. Um, so, I mean, in reality, to me, he's already five spots. I try to take him over Diggs, too, at the end of the second round right now. I mean, if I would have thought of him and I just didn't. So he's more wow. in that late second round for you. Uh, yeah. It, it kind of sounds like you want him to be there right now, Matt. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah, man, I love him. I mean, I don't know if you know the story, yeah. but I watched him <laughs> in high school, and, I mean, yeah, I, I love him. I, I, I'm very happy for him, and I think he's in a good situation. And his talent's unbelievable to me. I could see him. So, I could see him moving in front of some of those players that Matt mentioned. I could certainly see him leaving Demarius, Fuller, Cobb, Matthews. For me, um, probably already in front of Shepard. For me, mm-hmm. I, I I would have a hard time putting him in front of Benjamin just because Benjamin. Not not because I think Benjamin's you know a, a world class player, but he's just. I mean. Olsen's going to be 32. Um, I think he'll continue to play, but I mean that's Benjamin's team in terms of volume, and I don't know if it'll ever be Pryor's team. I think he can, you know, again, if I'm high on Coleman, I have to have some some sort of a limit to how high I think Pryor can go. That's um, logic. All right, let's wrap this up with our our fourth and final round that we did. That began with Devonte Parker. That was my pick. Uh, Tyler Eifert. Marvin Jones, Cam Newton at 40th overall. He was our first quarterback taken. Golden Tate, Andrew Luck, uh, Jordan Reed, Travis Kelsey. Uh, A pair of Titans running backs. DeMarco Murray goes 45 overall. Derrick Henry goes 46. And then two more running backs, Carlos Hyde and Jordan Howard, the the rookie. Uh, Let's start with Parker. He was the first player taken. He was... uh, 
he was being taken in the second round in last offseason uh, of, of startup drafts. He's down to the fourth, and, and honestly, it kind of felt like a reach even taking him at the beginning of the fourth. So, you know, Curtis, you already talked about this Miami offense that, that has struggled. I, I don't believe in Tannehill at all. I do believe in Adam Gaze as, as a coach and an offensive mind, but I don't think uh, Tannehill is, is the quarterback that's going to get it done there. So, you know, either they stick with him and we see what we've been seeing this year or they make a change and, uh, you know, unless they somehow bring in like a Kirk Cousins type, then there's a, a major learning curve there, whether you're talking about a rookie or or more unproven, uh, I don't know, Jimmy Garoppolo type. So do we continue to see Parker lose value? Matt, what do you think? See, I own him nowhere. I'm not a massive believer in him at any point. I wish he was more physical. He's not as explosive as I would like for a not overly physical player. Um, I don't love his situation. So he's never really been on my radar. I mean, uh, I respect him. I think he could be good, but uh, it's a little bit more of a leap of faith than I've been willing to take. And, you know, I look around this this round, and there's some things I certainly would have done differently in the fourth. You know, to pull the, cu the curtain back, we did get halfway through the fifth round, and I was going to be the last pick. I took Devontae Adams at, like, 4.05. I might rather have Adams than Parker. You know, I, 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 I thought, you know, that he was – uh, somebody that fell too far in our draft. I would rather have Jordan Howard, who went at the end of round four. Looking at him at this, at this you know, lineup now, I think that was a really good pick. I'm just not a huge Parker believer and never really have been. He was on my list of players to potentially buy this year. I just wanted to see that one, um, one big game. I definitely would have been a buyer. Um, ben Gretsch, uh, one of my editors at Rid of His Yards Per Gretsch on Twitter, wrote uh, an awesome article on on Parker and uh, why we should believe in him long term and I still think he could I still think he could break out but I'm not buying now I he's really going to have to prove it to me at this point I just think that I want in that offense I really want Landry and I don't really want anyone else um so I uh, kind of the same place Matt is on this one what, what what do you think I mean you took him right Ryan so I mean you think he's still got breakout potential for this season uh, no, honestly, I don't. Um, I, I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm worried about that offense. I, I don't believe in Tannehill at all. And I, I really hope they make a change this offseason. It's tough. To, it's tough to go away from a young quarterback and he's still, I don't really, think they will. Yeah. I, I don't really think they will either. I think they should. And if they don't, then, you know, this is not a pick I would make in an actual draft. I would say that uh, I do love the talent. Um, you know, Curtis talked about watching some of his Ohio State guys. I'm not a Louisville fan, but I do live uh, near Louisville and got to see a lot of Parker. Was really impressed with him through college, and and once he finally got on the field last year, was you know liked what I saw as as so many people did. But it's just not happening this year. Um, so, like I said, that that kind of felt like a reach. You guys have confirm that. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> I would uh, imagine you kind of looked at it like you said, though, and said, this guy was going the second round a month ago, and I'm getting him in the fourth. Okay. Yeah, um, that was part of it. Um, but, you know, oftentimes those, those players are falling for a reason. So Yeah. Let's look at the, the quarterbacks and the tight ends taken in this round. And, and really the thing I wanted to point out, the thing I noticed was 
that once you know once the quarterback seal was broken, we saw Cam, and then almost immediately saw Luck come off the board. Same thing with tight ends. Outside of Gronkowski in the first round, it was the fourth round before we saw another Eifert at the beginning, and then Reed and Kelsey back to back in the middle of the draft. And that's so often how you see dynasty drafts playing out. Is it's almost that game of chicken waiting for someone else to take the tight end or the or the quarterback and to me that has to do with tiers if I had you know if I value Eifert and Kelsey and Reed all about the same then I'm just waiting for somebody else to take the first one and and I'm happy to take the leftovers between the quarterbacks and the tight ends taken in that round do any of those guys stand out or any comments to make I'm the one took Eifert you know I just think I like him slightly more than I like Kelsey or Reed I'm just a really big fan of Eifert's situation and talent, and I, I don't think the injuries are recurring. Yeah, I agree. Eifert is still my second-ranked tight end as well, even with this uh, the slow start to the season because of these injuries. Yeah, I think Eifert's ceiling of those three players is certainly the highest, um, even with A.J. Green there. I mean, he's just Eifert's really shown that he can be prolific uh, touchdown scorer, and that's really the big difference maker for tight ends because it's really rare to see those high volume guys at that position so I can't really argue I can't argue with those three guys being at a tier um, Kelsey feels the safest to me um, I don't know I don't know if I would have I don't know if I would have pulled the trigger early fourth on Eifert there um, I, I would prefer to have all those guys kind of at the four or five turn and if it, my pick, I'm probably taking Kelsey again just because I feel like he's the safest guy. But um, I've got another guy in that tier with them now that I took in the, the fifth round. So we'll, we'll get to him later, I guess. And then, and then on the quarterbacks, um, Cam and Luck, I'm really struggling with who I even think the dynasty number one quarterback is. Um, Cam, the Panthers' whole deal has kind of got me perplexed. I think Luck's... I mean, Luck's got a lot of rushing yards this year. I was surprised. I was doing a little prep for the the pod, and it looks like he's on pace to eclipse his single season uh, best in rushing yards. And um, you know, still just 27 years old. So, and with the team being bad, I think you know he's got a path to to throwing the ball a lot. So for me, it was easy when I saw Cam go. You know, I just pulled the trigger on Luck right after that. Let's look at the Titans running backs. I mentioned that they went back-to-back towards the end of that that round. DeMarco Murray going 45 overall, Derrick Henry going 46. You know, we heard about this exotic smash-mouth offense they were going to run, and everybody kind of laughed about that, and we just knew the Titans would be terrible. And they haven't been great, but, but that running off, that rushing offense has been, has been great. Um, you know, Murray's among the league leaders. Uh, Henry's snaps and, and production were declining almost on a weekly basis until that uh, that Thursday night game last week. So I'm excited to see uh, their next outing and, and see if that continues, if he can get more more carries. I think they play the Chargers this week who uh, give up rushing production, you know, in boatloads. So I'm really, really excited to see Derrick Henry and see if that uh, upward trend can continue as far as valuing these guys against each other, is it just a matter of contending team or building team really making the decision for you guys? I guess. Um, 
I, I thought this area of the draft was pretty weak, too, to be honest. You know, like, when, when I took Eifert, I'm like, well, this is kind of early, but I really like the player, and I didn't want to be the first guy to break that seal, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of spots in this draft that I would have been trading backwards, period. Uh, Murray versus Henry, for me, it's just that I mean, Murray is just balling right now, and yeah. the Titans, even though they, ha they have Henry there, but they're really running that like a single-back system. I mean, the only reason Henry got the additional usage in the last game is because uh, Murray went to the locker room, I think, with a foot or an ankle, um, just briefly. But you better believe, you know, he's going right back in the game. He doesn't want to give Henry any touches and, and cut into that. So I, I know Murray's 28, but the fact that they have the other talented back there, I, I kind of see that situation as being that, you know, Murray maybe just um, rakes this year, next year, and then, you know, at some point in the next two to four years, they kind of switch roles, and Murray could retain some value um, on the way down. I, you're not going to be able to move him at that point, but he's a guy that you could continue to use as a, a bi-week fill-in or a flex player. So I I really like to actually – the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, those are, um, to Matt's point, where you start to get into some question marks in a dynasty startup, and I like to – target veterans who are pr producing at the top of their game. Uh, because if, if you miss on that young player that you think is going to break out, it can cripple your team. Uh, if I take DeMarco Murray and then for some reason I start poorly that first year, he's a guy I know that I can move to a contender for something. So this is an area of the draft where I like to be safe. And honestly, watching the two, Murray's a much better player right now than Henry. And I'm not positive Henry's going to be good. Although I am pretty sure that the Titans line will be good for years. You know, Conklin's a winner and Lawan's really good. They're going to run the ball a lot. Having a running quarterback helps. But I, I'm kind of with you that, to me, in Dynasty, Murray's worth substantially more than Henry. I did consider Henry there, Ryan. Like, when you, when you took him right after me, I was like, man. Because I, I actually, we were kind of, for the listeners, we were actually trying to treat this as individual teams. So we weren't just setting ADP with the exercise. We were drafting individual teams. So the thought had been that I would potentially take Henry on the way back on the same team and then lock down that Titans backfield. And Ryan made sure that didn't happen for me. <laughs> uh, to, to, to Matt's point about the players being different, it's when you watch that Thursday night game, there's a huge difference in the foot speed between the two players. I think Henry's better than I thought he was in the in the passing game, but he's really slow to change direction. Um, he takes these big high steps. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to have trouble um, creating plays for himself when there's not space. So um, I agree. I think he's going to be one of those guys that uh, maybe gets what's blocked, has the occasional you know, screen pass or something that he can take just because of his long speed. But, um, I, you know, obviously I like Murray better. That's who I took there. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they drafted a back, not this upcoming year, but two years from now, you know, a high when Murray's on his last legs. So coming off this big game, do you, do you guys almost see Henry as a, a sell high, or do you think there's potential there? I would field offers for sure. I mean, like... Like you guys said, I mean, the only reason I think he got a big game was they were blowing Jacksonville out and Murray got dinged up. But you, you look at their usual game scripts, they give it to Murray and give it to Murray and give it to Murray. And they, I think they clearly like him a lot more. What would you take in return for him? So if you're willing to trade him, just curious, like what would you take? 
Two seconds? I, I would still, I would want a first rounder at least. I would, I'd be a buyer for two seconds. Yeah, I would probably trade him for two seconds. Let's see if we can make a deal, Matt. I don't own him anywhere, <laughs> yeah. though. Interesting. Really That's, <laughs> there's such a disparity there. So, I, yeah, um, that might be a player to look into a little bit more. I think if I had him, I'm probably going to keep him because if Murray did go down, I mean, we know what that role's worth in that offense now. So um, I, I really like Murray, and he's proven to be, you know, once he got his legs under him in that big season in Dallas, he's proven to be fairly durable since then. So I don't know that there's any reason to think he's going to go down other than just, you know, running backs get hurt at a greater rate than other skill position players. But um, if he were to go down, Henry would be extremely valuable. So I think he's he's probably a hold for me now that I know the market for him is so uh, – is so far apart, just uh, between you guys. I mean, I'd rather have Jordan Howard. Well, Jordan Howard's the, the last guy we want to talk yeah. about. He, he was the last uh, player in this exercise, the last pick chosen in the fourth round. And, and Curtis, I believe that was your pick. So Howard, you know, he, he took over for an injured Jeremy Langford. I think the, the takeover had already started even before the injury. And he started out as you know, a, a top 10 running back those first two or three games, he seemingly hit a wall, and, and people were quick to bail on him before he came back with a huge game against the Vikings uh, last Monday night. So he went from kind of a dynasty favorite to, I guess, the, the outhouse. People were, were bailing quickly, and now everybody's back on the train. And, and uh, I saw a report today that he is – the unquestioned starter, even with Langford back, even with Kadeem Carey playing uh, relatively well. So Howard is is the guy in Chicago, but can that last, uh, or are they going to look to replace him just as they did Langford this past offseason? Well, he's got seven or eight games to uh, make the case for himself. He's already got three games with 100 rushing yards. Um, he's shown a lot of production in the receiving game. Um, that was the biggest question mark, I think, a lot of um, – Dynasty players had about him coming into the, the draft because um, he wasn't really utilized in that way at Indiana. Um, people didn't really know what to think of his hands or his route running ability. So he's he's shown, I think, more than I expected from him there. And this is a situation, this is my makeup as a Dynasty player. When I see something like this, a, a rookie eight games into his career with three 100-yard rushing games, I'm just I'm buying um, it's the same reason I took Ware in the third round. We didn't really get to talk about Ware, but um, you know Charles is on the IR now. Will he ever even suit up again? You know Ware is producing at a high level. Buy Ware. You know don't overthink it. Um, these are young players, so I I do have a, a little blurb here that's interesting. Year to date, running back leaders and missed tackles forced per touch. So you know elusiveness. Number one, Jordan Howard. Wow. So. You know, I don't know that I really thought of him in that way either. So, you know, is he, is he running through guys? Is he running around guys? Uh, one way or another, he's forcing some missed tackles. So, you know, that shows me that, again, you know, he's creating value for himself. You know, he's he's getting more than the yards that are blocked. So, you know, behind him on that list, just, you know, it's David Johnson, number two, LaShawn McCoy, number three. So that stats courtesy of Scott Barrett. Um but that you know he's he's producing and now we have a stat that you know suggests that maybe he's responsible for that production rather than the scheme. So uh, yeah, I'm 
I'm I own Howard a lot of places, but if I didn't own so much of him, I'd be buying him aggressively. And I think he's a Fox type running back for sure. You know, Stephen Davis type mold banger um, with better feet than you think, which leads to that elusiveness stat. But I also think that two things that really work in his favor is the Bears need a lot, and therefore they can't afford to use a first or second or third round pick on a running back. I mean, they need to rebuild a secondary. Yeah. They're going to need another receiver. They might need a quarterback. They need a lot. But one thing they do have is guard center guard is set, you know, with, with long and white hair and sitting. I think they're really, really good on the interior of that O-line, and he's an interior runner. Well, there's so much speculation about Cutler potentially not being there next year too. So, you know, what what's the best friend of uh, of a, a new quarterback? You know, hand the ball mm-hmm. off. So, um, I I don't know. I think he's going to be featured there the rest of this season. And if he continues to produce, you know, a hundred yard game, you know, every other outing, I mean, he'll probably go higher than this in the off season. What do you think about Howard Ryan? I'm I'm not quite as sold as you guys are. Um, partly because of how bad the Bears are. You know, some of the same reasons, honestly, that I avoided Murray and Henry this offseason is, um, you know, if, if they're a team that's going to be down the rest of this year, maybe maybe even next year, I don't know if that's a running game I want to invest in. Now, as you said, he is more involved in the passing game than I expected him to be, so that's, that's some consolation there. Um, I'm interested, Curtis, you said you, you know, you said you were a buyer. What, what would you offer for him, are you giving up a 17 first? I'm not there. I'm not there yet uh, because of the depth of uh, the depth of the incoming class. But I think there's there's still probably people out there that would sell him for a second. Or you know, if if I'm deep at receiver and have a need at running back, maybe I do a you know I, we talked about one for ones earlier, but that in that scenario it was a wide out for a wide out. Um, this might be a player that I would target with the Maybe a, a veteran wide receiver, um, you know, who's on the decline, or you know, maybe a similar, uh, similar value wide receiver. I'm trying to think of um, some examples. I don't, I don't know. Could you get Jordan Howard for like an Allen Hearns or something like that? You know, that seems like a deal that might work for two teams. Well, just look at the guys that got drafted. I mean, I would, I would give up Marvin Jones. I would give up Golden Tate. I'd give up Jordan Reed. You know, guys that went ahead of them, I would give those guys up for Howard. Or if I, my team was six and two, I would give up my first round pick in seventeen for him, with the hopes that it's twelfth overall. So you'd give a late first for him. If I knew it was, yeah. if I was very certain it would be late, yes. Yeah. You know, I if it came back and I gave up Leonard Fournette for him, I would, you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you right, might so- be a tiny bit higher on him than I am. So uh, I don't know, a little uh. Thanks for the confirmation. Yeah, I like him a lot. So, again, we were able to get through four rounds. Um, just just a few notes that uh, I wanted to point out before we, uh, before we wrap up today. Uh, looking at the October DLF ADP, some players that went in the top 48 that we did not draft. So um, you can say that these guys are seeing their value decrease, and, and most of these probably won't be a surprise. Jordy Nelson. Um, maybe that's a type of player you could try to move for uh, Jordan Howard, depending on uh, what kind of team you have. Jordy Nelson, C.J. Anderson, of course, with the injury. Um, Doug Baldwin, Kevin White, another guy with an injury. Jeremy Macklin has been a big disappointment. Treadwell, 
obviously a huge disappointment. Has barely even seen the field and hasn't uh, hasn't had a reception yet. Josh Dotson, another rookie who has who is hurt. Michael Floyd and Brandon Marshall. So each of those guys were in the top 48 uh, just a month ago and and have fallen off. Uh, some guys that we were looking at next, as as Matt said, we did we got the fifth round started and and hit a deadline. Uh, Eric Ebron, Jimmy Graham, Treadwell, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, all those guys were were kind of next in line for us. Anybody else from from either one of you who you were targeting? with an upcoming pick. Did you mention Devontae Adams? Yes. Yeah, I, I thought he should have went much earlier. But we've otherwise, seen, no. Okay, we've seen kind of a, basically a two or three game sample size from Adams. Uh, he's caught 10 plus passes in the past two games uh, for Green Bay. You know, were, were we just too early on this guy a year ago or, or two years ago? I think that, you know, we've thought, you and I have talked about this a lot, Ryan, that last year I felt like was the perfect storm of awfulness to happen to the Packers' offense. I mean, every offense, things are more than just Jordy going down, but that was the first getting the snowball rolling. The offensive line injuries, Lacey's fatness, Devontae Adams dropping passes. And, and really, he only dropped passes for like three or four games in a row, and he was injured much of the year. Cobb was a lesser player, and he was injured. That and I don't love this offense, and I think there's some problems here, but I don't think his production's a fluke, and I kind of like his quarterback. Yeah, his quarterback's pretty good. Yeah, you he's know, been all right. I, I've, been, I've been meaning to, to tweet about this, Matt, and I haven't talked to you about this in quite a while, but I wanted to, to point it out now. So in one of our leagues that we share, Matt, I know you'll remember this, uh, in the middle of the offseason, we made a trade uh, you gave. Oh yeah, this you was gave a while ago. Eddie Lacy. You gave up Eddie Lacy. I gave up Devonte Adams and a second round pick, and Oof. you got. I got lambasted on Twitter for giving abs- rid of, of Lacy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely roasted for this deal. I had I had a contending team. You had a team that that you were planning to kind of tear down and and rebuild. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, this was I don't know. This was. It was the offseason. May or June. I don't know. It yeah. was the middle of the offseason. And, and, yeah, you just got killed for this deal to the point that it, you know, it made me it made me feel guilty for making what... <laughs> like, yeah, like, it, that was a dicey year. Right. Yeah, yeah like, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to rip him off or or, or whatever, but, um, you know, there's, there's just some lessons to learn there that... Uh, like, one, I'll give you Lacey for Adam straight up now in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. If if you want right. to make that deal, we can still do that. I've still got Lacey <laughs> rotting on my roster, and I haven't I haven't started him a single time. So yeah, you know, there's there's obvious lessons to learn there that you know judging trades immediately whether they're in the off season or not is is not always a, a you know a wise thing to do in a dynasty league. Um, judging trades on on face value without knowing the teams, as so many people on, on Twitter did. Uh, again, not not a great practice to to take part in. So, you know, you, you definitely got the best of that one. Uh, I don't think I don't think Lacey's done, but he's obviously lost value and and Devontae Adams has gained value, especially the past month or so. Yeah, but you're right. I got crushed on Twitter for that one. I got called all kinds of names. <laughs> um 
Curtis, any any other players you had your eye on before we we finish up today? I think I would still take Jeremy Macklin in the fifth round. I think that um, I'm not. I may be higher on him than most, but I think he's going to turn it around. Um, another guy, I'm just looking through some ranks here. Um, another group of backs that I would like in the fifth round, um, just because their age and their situation. I think I like uh, Gio Bernard, Duke Johnson, and Jeremy Hill all in that round, maybe even Tevin Coleman. I think this is a round where we've gotten through a lot of the young, attractive uh, wideouts, and we start to – usually when I'm drafting – um, I'm not even touching running back until you know the fourth or fifth round, so this is probably where I'd start to try to stockpile some guys like that. Um, those are the names that come to mind. Yeah, I think I was actually on the clock. I'm I'm the one that put a halt to the draft. I think uh, I think the next guy I was going to take was Willie Sneed. Um, you know, a lot of people looked at last year as as a fluke, but he's uh, he's kept up that production. Uh, he was he was just outside of or I guess he was in this range and back in October he was the 49th overall player according to DLF ADP so um, I think his value is on the rise and uh, will only continue he's you know he's going to have some big games Cooks and Thomas will have their big games we'll see a little bit of turn taking there I guess with with those guys. I also thought there was a handful of really attractive every week starting quarterbacks too that wouldn't break my heart to take around this point. Yeah, well, we didn't get to you know Carr went off the board there in the in the fifth round. One of you guys grabbed him, but you know we didn't get to Jameis or Mariota. Those guys would have to be uh, coming soon. Did Rogers go? I didn't see him. I thought yeah he was the one I was thinking of. I mean, started on Rogers every week or even Tom Brady. I mean, if your team wants to win now, get two more years out of Brady and score a ton of points. Well, well, let's talk Matt about Ryan. that. I was I was ready to finish up here, but this is this is an important one. So, Curtis, you took Derek Carr there in in our portion of the fifth round that we were we were taking part in. So you're taking him over Aaron Rodgers. Talk to us about that. It's just it's just an age and surrounding talent uh, for me. I, they would be really even. Um, but Carr has shown me enough through the first half of this season with Cooper and Crabtree that at age 25, I'm going to buy him over at Rodgers, who's, what, eight or nine years older at this point. Um, with I, Man, fast forward to next year, I mean, what does that wide receiving core really look like in Green Bay moving forward? I mean, Jordy is producing, but he's not really the same Jordy anymore. Um, Cobb, I think it's well documented. He's not a game changer at this point. So I, I feel like they're they're almost running like a, a a totally different. I mean, he's not attacking downfield. He, his all his uh his stats on uh, down the field accuracy he used to be the best in the league. Now he's like one of the worst in the league. So um, I, it's not that he won't continue to put up stats, but I think the days of like the you know, 25 passing attempts for 300 yards and three touchdowns. I think the games are gone. I think he needs volume now to produce. I think that the receivers aren't difference makers. So um, just that combination, I don't really like. And I like that. Uh, I like that um, Oakland has those elite um, two elite. And I'll put a, I'll put Crabtree in a, a elite class right now, uh, not for dynasty purposes, but it, you know, for a year or two at 29, he's a wide receiver four overall right now. Um, this season, so that's a heck of a pair to be throwing to. So that that was my rationale for taking Carr there. 
I think that, you know I think that all makes a lot of sense and and I could get on board with most of that. The only thing that you know I feel like I feel like I learn lessons in Dynasty every year and and usually the hard way. Um, and, and one of those that over the past few years that that I've noticed is I mean, I remember when Tom Brady was 31, 32, and I was selling him for a second rounder, you know, <laughs> to get to get out before yeah. he had this value yeah. drop. So, uh, and you know, six years later, he's, uh, you know, he's a top five fantasy quarterback, um, other than this than the silly suspension. So I don't want, you know, I don't want to do that same thing with Rodgers, and I'm not ready to give up on him, but but Carr is certainly on the way up. Curtis, thanks so much for joining us today. Before we wrap up, tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, so uh, uh, com, and uh, my weekly series is Dynasty Command Center, hashtag Dynasty Command Center. Um, my uh, Twitter handle is at ccpatrick13, and my author link is right there in the profile, so you can see all the work I put out for Rotoviz this year. Thanks awesome. so much, guys. Yeah, thank, thanks again. Thanks for joining us and, and participating in our uh, mock draft. And we'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.